Hello and welcome back to the Women's Workshop podcast. I'm Ella, the founder of the Women's Workshop, and this is my co-host and partner, Imi. Hi, I'm Imi Middy. Uh, It's another podcast, it's another week. Let's have some fun. (laughs) So announcement-wise, we still have our ongoing competition, which still has one entry. Um, And the competition is, uh, what does feminism mean to you or what does being a woman in the arts mean to you it's very interpretive do whatever medium you like the prize is you will win a commission by us to design our podcast logo so uh yeah we're very excited to see what you come up with yeah i i'm really looking forward to and there's no deadline on it once we think we've got enough entrance we'll sort of make start making decisions but we have no official deadline just to make it easier for everybody because we know it's quite interpretive but um anyway apart from that it's been pretty quiet on the women's workshop front but we've had some very cool interviews recently so we interviewed uh, lucy last week who does incredible um digital art and we had some great conversations about porn video games art feminism anything you can think of really it was covered <laughs> anyway so uh I don't think we have any further announcements apart from to introduce our incredible interviewee for today, Robin. So, Emmy, I'll let you introduce Robin as you know more about them than I do. So, Robin is a uh, absolute multi-talent. They are an illustrator, they are a photographer, and they've got some textile stuff. They're known as um, Big Old Bug if it, when it comes to illustrating, and they do like illustrations of like creepy pets and stuff like that and I, I just absolutely adore their illustration work they did my profile picture for instagram too oh right that was robin was it i absolutely love that picture i'd love to get someone to do an illustration of me so uh, if anyone's interested please illustrate me <laughs> um anyway i think we should just hop straight into it so uh enjoy listening everyone Robin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, firstly, how are you doing? Uh, how have you been coping during lockdown? I've been, I've been going. I've been keeping on, but yeah, just keeping busy, trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it must be quite nice living in um, Colwyn Bay because there's lots of nice walks around there and stuff. If you like that sort of thing, like, I feel like I've become a lot more attached to nature, seeing as everything else has been like taken away. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Literally, like, because I only moved to about, well, it was just over a year ago. The first few months, it was like, we'll do one big walk every night. Like, we'll go everywhere. <laughs> like, now we've gone all of the walks. It's a bit like, eh, what's left? But there's loads. I've just, we got stuck in our own little bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't... You don't go on a walk. Like, you've got areas park that you can just go and lay in. Yeah, it's just, it's easy. There's like easy ones and there's, there's harder ones, but don't do that. <laughs> I feel like in lockdown, everyone's been just like getting into a rut. Like, I feel like I'm just not used to socializing and going out as much now. So I'm just like, I'll come home to like my little hole and I stay in and I'm like, no, you need to go out and see the world. We're not in lockdown anymore. Same. I literally, I get back from work and I'm like, I could go out, but no yeah. <laughs> um, chill out a little bit I don't know I feel like everyone's mentality has changed a lot more like because we're not used to it we're all still acting a little bit like we're in lockdown yeah definitely like um, I was watching 
pose earlier today and there's a scene where um like Blank is in the nail shop doing um someone's nails and I looked at it and I was like like they're so close like they're so close to each other like what's happening here that's gross like get away from me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I've had loads of workers in my house then doing up the bathroom and they've been walking around with no masks on and I've been like, I don't like this, I don't like this. No, no. <laughs> I complained to my Latin agent and they were like, we didn't even know there was work going on. I was like, what am I paying you for? <laughs> yeah, it's, that's got to be some sort of issue. <laughs> I think it's been like nice to go out a bit again though I feel like I'm doing it in small like baby steps just like easing myself back into working life it's quite nice because like there's only like six people who work in my company so and a lot of the time we, we work from home so like we work from home two, we work in the office two days and work from home three days and even when we're in the office it's only normally like two three of us so it's quite a good way to like ease yourself back into society yeah, see I did not do that <laughs> I went from what like nine months of being unemployed to full-time job tourism industry like every single person in the world is in the shop right now apparently um i at the moment work in the cafe at um the welsh mountain zoo because it's like up the road from me oh yeah it sounds like such an exciting job it's like there's animals about every day which it is it's exciting but i'm in the cafe like i don't <laughs> i don't get the fun stuff <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a nice job though. I've been there for the last couple of months. Yeah. Do you um do you feel like during lockdown you've gone the productive way or the sort of the non-productive way? Because I feel like people have gone one of two ways. <laughs> I've gone the non-productive way. I feel like I went the productive way in the least productive way possible. Like I feel a lot of people used it to like make themselves better and like go to the gym and get really hench and like all that good stuff. Um, I I learned to crochet and I bought an iPad and I just drew. So I did a load of art stuff. Yeah, that was productive it though. Improved me as a physical health person. Yeah, I'd spend like twelve hours a day just drawing frogs, crocheting, and doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> it is literally I was like I need to get a job I need to stop this <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone's gone very crafty as well like I took up knitting during lockdown I haven't gone on to crocheting yet but the thing is I went through lots of phases during lockdown I think because I was bored so I went through like my crystal witch phase which like I'm still I'm still very into but I haven't really had time to do and then I went into my knitting phase then I went into a Celtic mythology phase and it's all fizzled out now now it's like nine to five sleep <laughs> That's iconic though, like Celtic mythology and crystal witch stuff. It's all stuff you need to know. Exactly. <laughs> Brain healthy. Anyway, on the subject of your many, many skills, Robin, let's talk a bit about your art history and like all the stuff that you actually do. Oh God, here we go. How long have we got? Um, <laughs> um, so my main thing was photography. Um, That's how we met. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, when I lived in Leeds, because I was there for uni, I was there for three years. Um, I was photographing sort of un the like underground side of the Dragon Burlesque scene um, in and around Leeds. Did a bit in Bradford, spice it up a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of my big thing that I was doing. But obviously with COVID, I 
couldn't do that anymore. Gigs weren't doing anything and I moved here. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my big thing. I'm now just, just crocheting and drawing little pictures of animals. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's dragon burlesque? I've actually not heard of that before. No, drag oh, and drag burlesque. And- oh, I thought we said dragon burlesque. I was like, that sounds fucking amazing. That should be a thing. Make it happen. <laughs> oh my God, think of the sexy, like, scaly dragon ladies. Honestly. <laughs> oh my that, God. Photographing that would be sick. <laughs> yeah, it would be a really cool band name as well. Dragon burlesque. I like that. <laughs> Honestly, I- roll with it. <laughs> What do you think, how do you think you describe your sort of style as an artist? A lot of people have said it's blunt, which I like. <laughs> like a bit like, what was it? Blunt, abrasive. Um, I don't know, all the things that people say that kind of could be a bit mean, but I was like, I like it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, very sort of harsh flash, things like that. Because like it's a dark room there's not that much you can do um so yeah bright bold abrasive harsh i guess just yeah all that good stuff <laughs> what what's your sort of like favorite thing to um what's your favorite medium see that's changed quite a lot at the moment because now like i'm doing a lot more digital art and more physical stuff whereas photographing it was very like take it send it it goes on instagram it all exists like on the internet there's nothing about it but yeah like i love doing digital art and stuff like that now like procreate um things like that just digital (laughs) your photographs like you said very harsh abrasive and then your illustrations really like cute and twee literally it's (laughs) such a weird like and I was going to say balance, but it's not a balance at all. It's just one side's one side and the other side's the other. I've got two different Instagram accounts for them. They exist completely differently to each other. And then you have the third, which is your textiles. Yeah. That's like little grandma in the corner. That's great, though. It's good to have so many different, like, takes on things because sometimes it's nice to, like, escape into, like, cute, fluffy little creatures and stuff. And other times it's like, no. Fuck the world, I want to do something harsh. <laughs> a picture of my friend's arse. <laughs> yeah, yeah that I'm... is the... <laughs> oh, sorry, go on. That is the Leeds drag scene, it's just... It especially is. underground, it's just all of us stripping. Literally, I'm glad I'm speaking about it, I've missed it. Like, <laughs> I'm so far away from it and I want it back. That's all I want. So, what actually made you want to move to Colwyn Bay? Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm quite high risk for COVID. Like, I've got a bunch of issues with my lungs and genetics and all that. Um, my girlfriend's actually from here originally. So I was like, fuck it, we'll both move up. Live with your dad for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which was great. We've got our own place now. Like, this is my house. Aww. <laughs> so it's, it's worked out quite well. It, there's definitely not as much interesting drag stuff happening. There's not one yeah. thing. Um, I remember yeah. you messaging me saying if there was any queer spaces in North Wales, and I was like, no, that's why I moved. <laughs> that, that's why you're not here anymore. So are there any other like new mediums that you're wanting to jump into? Oh, there are so many. Um, 
I, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I sort of lost my mind a little bit. I bought all of the like beginner kits, all of the crafting kits. Um, I learned how to needle felt. I learned how to lino cut. None of them worked for me. I was kind of bad at all of them. I think I'd like to do a lot more like portrait photography because I know that what I did looked like portrait photography, but it wasn't. It was me taking something that was already there and taking photos of it. And I think I don't have the confidence to tell people what to do. Like I can't say to someone, right, stand like this, wear this, do that. Like it makes me feel really anxious. So I think like mediums wise, that sort of medium of photography is what I'd want to figure out how to do. Because the thought of it like stresses me out, but I need to get past that. I completely understand that because I did a lot of photography uh, for my art degree and I'm really not a bossy person like I say sorry a lot I say please a lot and I do find it really awkward to like direct models and things and that's why like I'd always used to work with like my best friends and stuff as my models because it was just easier because I'd like felt comfortable with them but I think that's a problem for a lot of people starting out in photography like it is quite hard to get to grips with like you're the director you have to tell everyone what to do (laughs) I think if it's not sort of in your personality to be like that sometimes it is quite hard to get your head around it yeah I think it was one of the like first things we did in uni they were like right you guys are a pair one of you takes a photo of one person one day and then the next day you swap and beginning of a course no one knew each other everyone was anxious about it anyway I think it was sort of a bit of a recipe for disaster but um I think if we would have revisited that at the end when everyone was a bit more comfy with each other, it would have worked out. But I think from then on, I was like, that's a no-go for me. That like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to at some point learn how to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who I think you could get to talk to is former podcast guest Zoe, because she was fully like nightclub photography and the viaduct and just still get being like no stand like this to the people who are on a night out and drunk <laughs> I, wish, I wish i could do that i wish i think it's something like you do get used to a bit more because i remember i had to do this um fashion shoot for my final project and i had these two models who like i didn't really know very well like i was sort of friendly with them but i didn't know them and i felt really bad because basically i wanted to photograph them in the woods and it was like october so it was really cold and i had like these dresses picked out which were like you know quite thin and everything and i felt so bad for making them do it but it just ended up taking so much longer because i was so like oh please oh sorry and like the first day like i didn't really get the photos i wanted to get either because like i hadn't really been as like forthright but on the second day i was literally just like no i need to get this done the deadline's in a week you just need to do it so i was literally just like like not in, I, I think you can do it without being like mean or bossy i think if you're just like you know um yeah look that way that looks good that's great yeah that's great okay now stand over there but I think it's like it is quite hard I think it probably takes a lot of practice to get comfortable with it because it's just not something yeah it's not something that comes naturally to me either I don't really like bossing people around unless I know them really well (laughs) yeah it was like I did um one of my last projects in uni was a portrait series um everyone there wasn't one person there that i didn't know like they were all um friends family people that i'd met through like the drag stuff and burlesque 
stuff. And even then, I was just like, right, you guys do what you want and I'll take photos of it. Because that's, that's like the only way I know how to photograph. Yeah. Which works out fine, but I don't know. Some people are more confident with modeling than others. I don't want to make anyone uncomfy. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of works. Some of it didn't, but it's all part of the creative process isn't it though like I feel like there's always an idea you have in your head like whenever you're creating anything whether it's like music textiles photography whatever and like so many times it just does not work out the way like you've got this image in your head and it looks like perfect and you're like yeah this could be in vogue and then you do it and you're like oh shit that looks (laughs) terrible um like I did this project in my last year where I like (laughs) I like painted myself naked but I had to get someone else to be there with me to like press the button on the camera I'd set up So I asked my boyfriend to come. Um, I felt so bad. I ended up having an argument with him because he did something to the camera and it wasn't my camera, so I didn't know how to fix it. So then I was like angrily like and nakedly like storming around the studio. Like, Martin, you've done something to this camera. And like the photos were terrible. But I think if you just keep trying at it, eventually it does sort of come out the way you think. But I don't think anyone goes to start a creative project and just gets it right first time because that's just like not realistic yeah, definitely it doesn't help either when you're on a time crunch like if it's a project for uni or for like anything yeah the minute you've got well, that time it. well. if <laughs> it's um, like if it's a commission piece and you're like oh god i've got to get it done because i'm getting paid for this Literally. yeah so stressful and then it's like especially if you're doing it on commission it's like will the person like it there's that added pressure like at least at uni if they don't like it you know I mean you might not get the grade you wanted but like no one's gonna like take your money back or something (laughs) what did you actually study at uni I did photography okay did you do it at Leeds Arts University or the main one yeah yeah Leeds Arts Uh, what do you think of the sort of main themes in like your artwork if there are any I think a lot of it um like before I started uni like even when I was in college I was doing a lot of stuff about um like LGBT rights and um not even necessarily rights just like statistics and past stuff like one of the projects that um I showed my tutors when I first was applying for uni was and like I think the execution of it was pretty bad now like looking back on it but it was fine um and it was photos that I'd taken at the pride parade in Manchester of like the the smaller community stuff because I hate all the like corporate like co-op supports pride and all that like I can't stand it so I was taking photos of like the people that run the drag bars and like some older members of the community things like that and then overlaying them with um things that I'd taken with like the camera flash like long exposure and I'd like drawn these numbers and one of them was like 32% and just things like that and the titles of them one of them was a trans woman and like the background photo was a trans woman with a sign in the march and one of the things was um the overlay was 71 percent which was like 71 percent of trans women have either quit or been sacked from jobs because of the gender which like is fucking insane to me 
um, yeah, it's just things like that. Like you, you look at the photo and it's a bit like, what's going on there? But there's an explanation for it, and you know, actually like look at it and think about what's going on. <laughs> like, like yeah. actually read the text. <laughs> I think it's so much more interesting when artists create things like that where you have some sort of meaning behind it, but it's not necessarily like you haven't written like seventy-two percent of trans people like over the top yeah. of the image. You know, I think sometimes it's better left kind of up to interpretation. But that's so interesting. What sort of got you interested in that? What made you so passionate about it? Um, my big thing with college, the Pulse shooting had just happened in Orlando. So I did photography and art in college um, for my art project. I did this whole massive obituary piece with all of the names of the people that died in the shooting all over it. And it was an armchair that I'd um, sewed all these patches onto. And there was a TV in front of it and I'd written something on the TV like, Oh, I don't remember what it was, this was ages ago. Um, something like, it was about the comfort that people feel like sitting and watching the news and just getting bombarded with like all this tragedy and stuff that's coming at them and just being yeah. comfortable and sort of going about the day. Yeah. I, think I had a lot of anger from that um, because it, it was one of the first times that I'd felt like really, really attached to a story, like a, a mass shooting that happened like, because it it was like people from the same community as me and like it really really affected me yeah i think i took that and just rolled with it and just carried on like through uni and like now i guess <laughs> yeah i think it's so important though to make people uncomfortable and confront people about things i think especially yeah. with art when you do art that's sort of confrontational or like you're pointing something out that makes people feel guilty that's why people get angry because like it's true <laughs> because they don't want to believe that that's actually the reality yeah i think that that was the goal to sort of make people just like look at it like you have to look at it now like you're in a fine art space this is what you're here to see like just look at it <laughs> and i think yeah. that was the goal then you've got the other side of the coin so what are the main theme in your illustration work apart from just cute frogs honestly that started out as just um i've got some spare time i was i think i've never like done digital art before I literally bought myself an iPad and messed about. <laughs> that was like it was just a bit of a way to sort of waste a bit of time, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun with it and ended up making a bit of money from it. So yeah, it was good. <laughs> I think that's been a massive trend in illustration at the moment. Like this very sort of like cutesy, happy, like everyday little doodles. But I think it's also partly because like people need that at the moment. Sometimes you don't need something like, I love art with like, you know, deep, meaningful explanations and stuff that confronts you and, you know, people bleeding and all that sort of stuff. But I think sometimes it is just nice to like, look at something that's like cute and happy and be like, oh, that, that made me smile today. Yeah, I think I needed a wind down as well from all like the intense stuff. Yeah. Happening. The pandemic was happening, the George Floyd stuff was happening. I was like, I'm overwhelmed. All I all I can do is draw a picture of like a frog with a knife. Like that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah no I think I think everyone enjoys a good doodle as well but I just love how people have become so skilled at it because my doodles were always just like in class you know like drawing little mushrooms like, I remember looking back at some of my notes from school and it was literally like half like biology and like mitochondria and all that and then it was just like mushrooms rainbows and like doodling all the people in class but <laughs> it's the best way to do it like just let your brain shut off and draw some stuff <laughs> i love the character that you've introduced the pink frog oh i love him i found he's um there's a different app that i've started using um because a friend of mine actually posted a drawing from it on a facebook group and i was like oh my god that's incredible what is that app because it makes like digital art looks so realistic like oil paintings so i thought right i'm gonna trial it see how i like it I'll use the most simple, like, shit, like blobby little little lad, <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and just paint him. <laughs> but yeah, I think it turned into a little bit of me. Like, if I draw this little little naked pink frog, I can just use him as a bit of an outlet for how weird everything feels at the moment. <laughs> that sounds like it would make a great book. You should do like once you've got like a massive collection of them, you should like put them all together in a little book and have it as a little like the day in the life of the pink frog, whatever his name is. I've been thinking about a name for him and I think the name that I'm set on is Bonk. <laughs> Which... Oh my god, I love that. Bonk the pink frog. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Yeah, I think it literally just started out as as a little bit of a like a mess around, and it ended up like it's it's done me really well. Um, I started like drawing people's pets and stuff, and like I've been selling prints. I'm just living it up. I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you think one day you'd like? To, would you like to do it full time? I'm not sure. I think I. The way I get with a lot of creative things is like, I don't want to ruin it for myself by turning it into a source of stress. Yeah. Because as much as I'd love to just only make money off doing art, like there are, like you've got to think about taxes and things like that that make everything feel a bit bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, we were speaking to um, our interviewee from last week, Lucy. she's like a hobbyist artist so she doesn't want to do it like as a full-time job because yeah. I think for some people it's like they would love to make money out of what they love doing but there is the other side of it which is but are you still gonna love it if you have you have yeah. to do it for a living you know I think that's that's what I have been scared of as well because I've been quite apprehensive with throwing myself like fully into something that I don't have a hundred percent security on yeah I did it when when I was younger sort of up to being about 18 I was pretty big into like being a musician and like like I played in a bunch of orchestras and stuff and then my mum said to me she was like why don't you do it at a level why don't you do it at uni it was like no like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't even begin to associate anything that I enjoy like that as something that's stressing me out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's very much to do with them um, without going off on a rant about like Western capitalist society. I think it is a lot to do with, you know, everything that you're good at turning it into like a money making yeah. thing when actually like, you know, so many of the things actually make us happy it have nothing to do with money and that's why we enjoy doing them. Yeah, definitely. Like I think when I first started doing all of the like digital drawings and things, 
I put it on Instagram. I was like, look, if anyone wants a print, have one. Like, I'll run it. I'll do them cheap. Like, pay postage, and I'll make a little bit of profit from it. Um, I originally started selling them for um, the bailout funds. I forgot. I forgot what the charity is called, but it was for the people that were rioting because of the uh, George Floyd shooting. So I think a lot of it started out as like, I feel like I'm not allowed to make money off this yet. So I'm going to see if um, I can do some good and see if I've got a bit of interest and then maybe I'll think about throwing myself into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit too anxious to fully rely on selling things yet. Yeah. I'd love to. <laughs> It's it's nice to start off having it as like a side thing as well because then you can sort of like ease yourself into it, engage how much you're enjoying it and not. But you're in such a good place actually in terms of like you know an arts. I mean, okay, Cole and Bay maybe not 100, percent but um, they have so many like cool craft fairs and arts fairs in like so many small Welsh towns. Like I went to a really cool one in um, Bomaris. Do you know Bomaris? Um, so like you could always maybe think about doing like just turning up at craft fairs and like selling a few prints. Yeah, I, d- I definitely like to do it. Um, a big thing with people that I was in uni with actually, they did a lot of small creator markets like in pubs and little spaces and things like that. But when I was in uni, I didn't have the sort of, the range of stuff that you could just churn out and like sell on and yeah. know, the stuff I was doing in Leeds was Oh, like niche. <laughs> it was very niche. <laughs> so, so before we go on to like, oh, before we go on to like the big serious question, uh, do you want to talk a bit about the uh, gallery in Flandudna, or are you not allowed to yet? Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about or not. Um, I just know that they are doing a about the act of publishing through like protest signs because they're very big on talking about publishing and how you can publish in a bunch of different ways they want to speak about sort of diversity inclusivity around this area because it's very straight cis white people that like it's quite closed-minded around here i get funny looks walking around and I feel like I look quite normal. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very sort of narrow-minded around here. And I think the point is to sort of bring, make people aware of like stuff that's happening that they might not want to think about, which is exactly at my alley. That's just what I wanted. That's why I want to get involved. <laughs> but yeah, they had a recent exhibition called In My Rooms, I think it was. Um, that was all about LGBT artists, um, the people talking about the AIDS crisis, things like that. Which, honestly, like walking in and seeing that, it was very like, okay, so you do talk about that stuff here, okay? Like that's yeah. But it was really interesting to see. I think they are trying to push things like that, which bang on, like that's what they need to be doing. It's probably such a good thing that you're there though, like creating the art that you are, because I mean, it's lovely to be in an area that's like very accepting and open-minded, but you're probably gonna, you know, turn some heads and change more minds in a place where they're quite narrow-minded, you know? You never know, by the time you leave, Colwyn Bay might be the new Leeds. 
that's what, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I think the my sort of end goal, like nowhere near what's happening now, like a couple of years down the line, I want to open up like like a little cafe, a little art space. Emmy, you'll know what I'm talking about. I want to open a wharf. I want to open wharf chambers in Colwyn Bay. <laughs> Maybe not that intense, but I want a little space that's very like open, accepting, like come do what you want, put some art on the walls, you know? And I think that would sort of open up the area a little bit. That would be amazing. If you do do it, please invite us to the opening. Oh, I will definitely. It's 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 part of my like five year plan thing. Oh my god, you've got you're so on it. Like I don't even have a five year plan. I'm literally just like wake up, see what happens. I'll tell you what, it's the only thing on there. <laughs> it's like at the end of the five years, it's just there. Yeah, <laughs> you it's can more, call it Dragon Ballesque. <laughs> It's more of a, if I haven't done this in five years, I'm going to be annoyed at myself. <laughs> to be fair, North Wales really needs something like that. We had something similar called Engedi, where it would put on like the musicians from the college that were like 16 and just wanting to play music. But unfortunately, some people ended up, that were 16, ended up going there drunk and the police thought they were selling alcohol to under, under 18s and ruined it for everybody. It's such a shame as well, because that... Is it the one, the one in Colwyn Bay? Like yeah, the one yeah. right at the bottom on the high street. Yeah, it's just a condemned building now, and it's such a shame because, like, like I've only been here for a year. I didn't see it when it was like obviously doing its thing. But it is, it's a shame that like it's literally just sat empty. Like the windows are busted through, things like that. Like I just want a bit of a sort of a revival of like interest in stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and in 2026, when you own the building, we'll have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call it Engedi, let's mess up the one. <laughs> oh, you should make it a night cafe as well. I am desperate for, like, a cafe to open that is just open till midnight. Like, I would love to go out and get a hot chocolate at 11 o'clock at night and, like, sit in a cafe and listen to good music. Like, I would, honestly, I'd love it. Like, just anything to sort of... I don't know, bring another demographic in. There's so many pubs that are just full of, like, just old people, like old men. There's so many, like, boring town pubs. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's go on to the serious question now. Yeah. Um, how is being assigned female at birth, because I know that you use, you use Shile pronouns, so is being assigned female at birth, like, affect your art and like how has it affected you within the art industry do you feel like you're in a sort of like dominated area i'm not sure currently right now because i've not like i don't know i've not had the the sort of opportunity to be against like a cis male in something that i'm like working for i've not had that for quite a while um but one of the big things especially when i was in uni was um so it felt like favoritism and there were a certain amount of people that got listened to and their ideas got pushed and they got the exhibitions and the publishing deals and it was a group of majority like 20 to 30 year old guys and you sort of sat there thinking like look i need you to like actually 
look at everyone else here. But yeah, I think it impacts me a lot from a standpoint of being queer more than sort of just being generally like assigned female at birth. But I think like the photography scene is changing for the better. Like female photographers are sort of gaining rapid popularity. It's not the sort of male dominated thing that it was like when photography started like right at the beginning it was who can afford the camera mm. who can actually afford to do this and it it was the the rich men with jobs but i don't know now it's very like you know you can photograph whatever you know everyone's got access to something that can take a photo but yeah i think i've come into the best situation right now with working with a feminist organization in Wales and they're trying to push like diversity and I'm thinking like I'll ride this and sort of take this where it can go but yeah I think the the being queer in uni in a space that's very academic making art about very underground not written about communities was a bit of a hindrance when it came to grades because people were looking at it thinking like you know no one's wrote about this this isn't anything that can be cited the only experiences I've got are ones that I've got from speaking to people and I think that was I don't know it was a bit of a downfall but like I'm done with uni <laughs> it's, it's done now and I think that's it's a big part of just queer history in general a lot of it is word of mouth like it's what's traveled down not like there's nowhere near even half of it that's been documented so like i'm not letting it get to me i've got photos like i've got documentation of what's happening just let it happen <laughs> yeah uh, similar thing to you for my master's thesis. so I found it really hard to write about stuff, so I ended up going into technical things and my master's tutor was just like, I don't care about that, I wanted to learn about the culture and you gave me like YouTube videos and unfortunately I can't grade you on YouTube videos, I was like, yeah. that's all I've got! <laughs> but I was, um, the project that I did, the, um, the portrait one, a lot of the people in it, because they were from the drag background and burlesque and things, they all had quite eccentric makeup and there were like people presenting like different genders things like that um and my tutor looked at it and she was like oh this is a this is a narrative on queer people then i was like well no it's not like i'm doing portraits these are photos of people just because some people in these are queer doesn't mean that it's about queer people like <laughs> i don't know i think it's it's like they they look at it and think oh it has to be about this because this person's in it. It's like, no, it it was about synesthesia. Like it was it was about something completely different. But I think my tutors at that point were a bit sick of me just piping on about like all of the LGBT stuff that I was making work about anyway. I thought, right, I'll change it up, do something that makes you happy. And then they were still like, no. <laughs> Got a gay person in it though. I was like, ugh. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> that honestly like frightens me because the thing is everyone on my art course like did completely 
different things. You know, some people did loads of like feminist topics. Some people just did like beautiful oil paintings. Like, I don't know why you'd single out one topic as being, you know, less than anything else, especially when it's something the artist is passionate about. Because I feel like anything that an artist creates is going to reflect something about them and something that they're passionate about. So I don't know why they'd want you to do something else when it's a reflection, you know, of yourself and what you're interested in. Yeah, I think as well, um, one of the one of the things that I mentioned, it was like in my dissertation, it was like some people don't want to follow this archetype of being born, going to school, doing this, um, being the stereotypical, like, whatever, like <laughs> the stereotypical view of womanhood, having a baby, having a husband, doing all this. And I think my tutor was like, well, I have a baby, I have a husband. <laughs> like, and I think she thought I was saying that what she was doing was wrong. I was like, that's, you know, that's not... Oh my, that's so egotistical! <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you've been teaching in a uni for years. Like, how have you not encountered this issue already? Oh my god! But the thing is, with things like that, it's like, but it's like people who are like not all men. It's like, but we're not talking about you. We're talking about our issues. We're expressing ourselves and our problems. Like, it's not all about like you're the people who have got it easy because you are like the conventional stereotype. Yeah, like I wasn't saying I was going to go into her house and like steal her baby because she wasn't <laughs> gay. Like, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I think she... Well, that does sound like a great plot for a book. Yeah. <laughs> Raising Arizona part two. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do that last question, Ella? Yeah. Um, so... What have you got in store for the future? Are there any projects you're hoping to work on or competitions or just anything you're looking forward to? I think I'd like to get back into taking photos of people. I've taken over a year out and I just, I want to get back into it. I think with moving to Wales, I'm not as clued up on Welsh culture as I feel like I should be. Um, so I was thinking about doing a photo series based on like Welsh folklore. There's a big book called the Mabinogion, which I've tried to read. It's crazy. It's I've tried to read it too. Oh, I love the stories in it though. And the same, I went literally got to the point. I was like, right, I'll, I'll look at the, the plot summary on Wikipedia, try and like ease myself into it. So yeah, I wanted to do a big series based on sort of all the like countryside around here and maybe incorporate like sort of like folklore like masks and traditional clothing and things like that. Um, I tried to do a project in uni just before the pandemic that was like, uh, I was trying to make like make my own mythological creatures and I had all these little characters set out and all these like props that I'd made. And I think I'd like to do that here and try and like weave them both together a little bit. But I need to yeah, tell people what to do. <laughs> speaking of Welsh folklore, do you know what Mari Lloyd is? Yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> horse skull, right? Knock yeah. at people's doors with a horse skull. Yeah, yeah. The horse skull that you have to rack well to get Christmas presents. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do it or else it'll rage your fridge. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm actually so excited for that project. I, I mean, I do. I just love everything like folklore and mythology. Like, um, if you want to a book recommendation, uh, you should read the. Uh, it's called the Mammoth Book of Celtic Mythology, and it's like kind of easier versions of like stories from the Mabinogion and like all the old texts because some of them, like the original ones, are super hard to read. So, well, I found anyway, unless I'm just like illiterate. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's so good. It like goes through all the stories and oh my god I'm, so, I'm genuinely so excited I just I love everything like magical and fairy tales and evil fairies and stuff <laughs> yeah well when I was living in Leeds I was looking into the like Yorkshire folklore side of it and all of the like there are a bunch of like walks around the moors and the forests and things and there are like carvings in the rocks and like weird little patterns and everything's sort of got a bit of a story behind it and I was going to try and speak to people that have like lived there for years and try and actually know what's going on but yeah literally a week <laughs> later we went into lockdown it's like ah oh, damn it <laughs> yes. I know um oh there's hey, another floor, which is the beast of Bodman mm. which is apparently a panther from Welsh Mountain Zoo that <laughs> escaped and is now terrorising the countryside. Oh my God. Okay, no, I swear to God. I literally, I sent this on my work group chat like three months ago because there were all these news reports of this freaking panther like in and around Chester and on the Welsh border. But I kid you not, there was like a photo of this massive thing that a guy had taken like outside of his lorry, just like walking through the fields. Like I'm genuinely convinced there's panthers out there. Oh I don't think they're from the zoos. I think they're from. Sorry, go on. It's okay. No, just because because I'm working like at the zoo at the moment. I got a text from someone that I work with saying like, if you're if you're coming into work today, don't use this gate because they're doing um, a training exercise for what to do in case the tigers escape. I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but the actual, like, the training exercise itself, it's called Cat Escape 4, uh, which sounds like a video game. It sounds like a really off brand, like, iPhone game. <laughs> like, I've got a day off today. I don't know what they're doing in there. Like, if the tigers actually escaped, Guess it, you do what you want. I'm on my day off. <laughs> Literally, it made me laugh so much. It's like, what do you like? How do you prepare for that situation? Like, what if it does escape? Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> how come you didn't get in on this training? Like, what are you gonna do if the big cat escapes? You haven't had the the proper ninja training experience. Locking myself in the bathroom. <laughs> 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 um, well, on that note, uh, I think we'll move on to our Hall of Fame section. So, cue the music. So, Robin, who have you chosen to put into our Hall of Fame today? So, an artist who has inspired your work or who you just really admire? So, I've got two. Um, one of them is the drag collective that I photograph. Um, they're called Age of The. And it's very, like, there are a lot of people in there. There are the core members, and then there are the people that come and go, and it's very open, and everyone can do what they want, and it's lovely, and I love being part of it. I think I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at without the gig I got with them. So, uh, really fun time with them. Oh, cool. um, 
the other one is another like group. Um, they're called That Bitch Burlesque. Um, Great name for starters. <laughs> and they're very inclusive of it's it's a burlesque group that's all genders, all sexualities, all shapes and sizes. It's great. Like <laughs> I've not come out of one of their events without being like, yes, like this is so good. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I just, I love photographing them. They like seeing the photos. It's a very, I don't know, it works both ways. Are you a big fan of like collaborative groups and do you love collaboration? Definitely. I think I really like sort of little communities of people where you all want to do the same thing. And the people that actually have the the sort of ability to make it happen i think is really really cool yeah i just really like it <laughs> yeah I, I i like that you're um, putting in a group of people you're the first person to put in a group of people and i really like that yeah, and yeah, also i just like the fact that i can find i could find a picture of lady hd and put them in the hall of fame yes <laughs> <laughs> because Everybody needs to see Lady HD's tits and moustache combination. Everybody does. I don't understand that. I don't understand how not everyone in the world has seen that already. I think it would be incredible. <laughs> We've had some really great Hall of Fame entries, actually. Like, I found so many cool artists. But I must say, one of my favourites has to be um, Rianne. She's uh, an illustrator and a fine arts artist. And uh, she put herself forward for the Hall of Fame. Oh, I love that. I was listening to that the other day, actually. You know what? I was like, I should have done that. Like, <laughs> no, I can't do that. Have you, um, have you checked out her work? Yeah, I think like because I think the like drawing animals that people think are like ugly and weird sort of thing. Like, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> oh my god, I absolutely love her stuff. Like, it just makes me so happy. Like, I got one of these prints from her. It's a psychedelic toad. Oh, I love that. And it's just like, oh, I just, I just love it. I love like quirky things like that, especially the psychedelic toad. I remember first finding out about this on, um, there was like a cartoon who made reference to the psychedelic toad, but it genuinely blows my mind that you can lick a toad and get high. Oh my God, I watched a really cool um, documentary about it. It's a Vice series. It's this guy that goes around and takes all of the weird like hallucinogens and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's called Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia, I think. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, he did an episode about it, and it's it's really cool. Like, it doesn't hurt the frogs at all to, to do it or anything. Well, I think you just lick... Do you just lick them, or is that... I might have misconstrued that from, like, a cartoon. No, they've got, like, this gland in the skin, and I think you've got a sort of... I don't know, like, shake them about or, like, squeeze this gland or something, and it, like spits out the stuff and then you I like take it I guess I, I don't question. know <laughs> is bonk a hallucinogenic frog yes <laughs> now <laughs> oh my god I that's so cool I wonder if it's like it must be a like defense mechanism or something like an evolutionary like stun your um predators with hallucinogenic so that they can't attack you maybe i'd guess why they do it i just think it's cool that they do oh my god it's so cool (laughs) um anyway shall we move oh sorry what no i was just saying next segment yes next (laughs) segment right
Let's go. Do we do music in the set? Sure, let's do. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so, our next segment is the big question, the talking point, the, the, the thing that we chat about until we run out of steam. Robin, <laughs> what do you want to open up a dialogue on today? Um, it's more of a, a question, because I know both of you are, like, like you do music, you do art and things like that. Like you're very creative people. How do you do it and also have a full-time job? Because <laughs> I have a full-time job now and can't do art. <laughs> like it's one or the other. Oh my God. You know, I, I love that you've asked us a question. Um, so genuinely for me, like Immy is an icon, does like loads of music stuff. I am shit. <laughs> I have a full-time job. I, I have not done art for ages i mean i find i just find it really really hard to do like a work-life balance and do stuff you're interested in as well like that's why i started the women's workshop because i wanted to still like talk to artists and like you know look at art and talk about art but it's just so hard to find time yeah it's well that's what it is it's like I don't know, trying to sort of use it as a way to wind down, but then, like, I'm quite a perfectionist with things. So I look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, this, this is winding me down. Like, I just want to make it, like, all good now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's such a it's such a struggle, especially because I don't do, like, drawing or painting. Like, I did an art degree, but I can't draw or paint. I did a lot of, like, photography, filmy stuff, collaborative yeah. stuff. And I think because a lot of it was so collaborative as well, like, with photography, for me, it was very collaborative because I love photographing people. And because, obviously, COVID, I mean, I'm using that as an excuse, really. And then having a job, it's sort of, like, it's so hard to be able to, like, plan in a photo shoot, you know, after work hours, after you're also, like, emotionally and physically physically and mentally drained. Well, that's it. There's a lot happening and I do not know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how to cope with that. But yeah, I think it is, it's important to have both like work and creative stuff if they're like, if they are two different things, if you don't like, you know, if art's not your full-time job. But I get back from work and I'm like, what? I have to sit down. <laughs> like, <that's awesome>. Yeah. <laughs> So my answer to the question is that um, I don't, I don't give myself any time to sleep. I don't give, I barely eat. I just go to work, come back. I've got an idea for a song, right? I'll write it down quickly. And then on my day off, it's not a day off. I'm doing either recording or mastering or video editing. Yeah. I just do everything because I'm a workaholic. I've been sober for six years from drugs and alcohol. So my new vice is work yeah i think that's that's sort of where i was at at the beginning of the pandemic like buying everything i could like all of these kits like just learn everything and then you weed out the stuff that you like and then you just do it but then literally like two months ago when i did get my job i was like I'm like I've got no life beyond this now like this is where I am all the time <laughs> but yeah I think like so I'm the same like I've been soberish for the last like well over the pandemic um and I think the my way initially to like try and cope with it was to just do everything I could in sort of as wholesome away as I could with the little animal drawings and stuff and I think I like overworked myself 
by trying to calm down, which I don't know. I feel like I should have found a better way to do it, but hey ho. Yeah. Um, it's all about learning to say no to opportunities because you yeah. just need time for you. What you're doing is 100% the right thing though. Like what you were saying about trying out loads of different things and finding what you like and what you don't like and what you want to pour more like energy and time into. Because I think I'm very much like, <laughs> I get an idea in my head and then I'll start doing it. But I sort of, I just let things fizzle out. Like I'll get really into something. I'll go like do it for like a month and then I'll find something else and then I keep moving on. And I think I'm just at the point now where I have found like working life hard. Not because like my job's really like nice and everything but I just I genuinely don't know how people muster up the energy to do stuff that they want to do because there's so many things I do want to do but I just don't give myself time to do it I think that's it there's there's not enough time to just yeah (laughs) (laughs) that would be great if we didn't have to sleep Oh, I know. <laughs> I, no, I think we need more days in the week, and we need like more <laughs> days off from work. So we need like, like say like an eleven day week, and you work four days. Yeah, four days, and then a break, and then yeah, four days. <laughs> exactly. And you'd be so much more productive as well. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, I am in complete admiration of you both because I genuinely have not done anything creative in ages. Like, I talk to creative people and I look at creative stuff, but I haven't done anything creative myself in ages. I would argue that you've set up a network for creatives, which is in itself creative. Yeah, it is. It's a big thing. Well, don't do yourself down. It's a big thing. Well, thank you. Yeah, but I like I do really really miss it. Like, I think it's just like I'm giving myself this year to like get my life together, like recover from like uni, lockdown, COVID, the world going to shit, like getting my first job, and then after I've had like a year, I want to like pour more time into doing like personal creative stuff. But I think this is a really good way to sort of still keep my toe in it because we've met like the coolest people doing this like we've had so many cool interviews and everyone's completely different as well everyone's got a completely different artistic style um and I just love finding like artist recommendations as well like I found the coolest artists from this um but yeah I think what you're doing is amazing honestly in admiration and I'm so excited for this like folklore project you're gonna do like please keep us up to date with it because I'm really excited this is probably the push I need to like actually do it (laughs) I've had all these ideas in mind for ages of like this is what it's going to look like and this is where I'm going to do it and I've not actually like done it and I just need to yeah actually go and do it and just stop being like a baby about it (laughs) what's the worst that can happen yeah (laughs) well if you you need any models we're here (laughs) Literally, I might hit you up actually. I don't know enough people around here yet. Actually, oh, we could. Sorry. Go on. Say, if you need that, like any information about Welsh culture and stuff, Ella's boyfriend does a podcast about Welsh sport and it's okay. sort of a little bit clued up on Welsh policy. And he's also got a friend who is probably too clued up on Welsh politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big. Uh, 
proud, very proud Welshman. <laughs> I've actually learned so much about Welsh history, though, like being with Martin, because he's really passionate about like Welsh history and Welsh politics. And like the UK, sorry, not the UK, England are like fucking dickheads to yeah, all of the other countries. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've been with my girlfriend now for like almost three years. And I feel like I'm absolutely like, I was blind. <laughs> like, yeah. I when all of the, um, like all the Scottish referendum stuff was happening and I was very like why would they do that England's so good like well I know we give them all this money and all that and now I'm like what the fuck was that about (laughs) yeah I remember telling somebody about the um, Cardiff Bay incident and people Mm. were like what that's disgusting who voted for that and I was like oh Welsh Labour voted for that (laughs) yeah no just I've heard so many horror stories about like what we've done to Wales and it, like we just suck all of the resources out of Wales, use it for ourselves and then pretend like we're taking care of Wales when we're not. Yeah, well it's like wow. seeing it firsthand, there's a big issue at the moment about um, people buying like holiday homes and second homes in like small towns around here and for like two months in the year, like over the summer, it's booming, like the economy's great. Um, All the small businesses are getting money. And then the minute the tourists leave, there are like three people living in the town. It's been gutted, like no one can afford to put a roof over the head. Like, and it's very like, when I lived in England, I convinced myself that that was a good thing and that we were helping them, but no. (laughs) Like yeah, all different perspective. I think um, there was a stat that was like only 4% of all of Wales' like national income actually comes from tourism. Like we yeah. make out like we're propping them up, but we're really not. Like we just go, we make a mess with them and then we leave and we're like, oh, you're welcome. Well, it's yeah, like- I used to work in a holiday park. Oh, oh God. Yeah, people's big argument for why we should still have the royal family is because it brings in so much money in tourism. It's like, does it though? Well, does it really? the argument <laughs> I give to that is all, all the buildings that they have are still going to be there. Nobody goes yeah. to Buckingham Palace to watch the Queen do her paperwork. Yeah, oh, exactly. Look I at get- France. France still all of have, have all of their castles. They don't have a royal family. I know that like the Queen is like the sweetheart of like the world, but I'm just like. She she doesn't bring in tourism because she would still exist. And to be honest, the like the royal family is not going to be gotten rid of before the queen's died. So, I, I mean, I don't know if it will ever really be phased out. But no, I don't really agree with the royal family. I just don't really understand why so much money is being poured into you know upkeeping their extravagant lifestyle when like we've yeah, got loads of homeless people. Like, oh my god, it's just. And yeah, you're right. Like all the buildings would still be there. You don't go and visit all the major sites of the world because there's a royal family there. You go there because of the history. That's why people go. But yeah, yeah. again, should still stress we're not committing treason. 
I would absolutely love for Wales, Scotland, and actually Cornwall. I know Cornwall isn't a country, but they totally have like all of their own stuff. Like, because I was reading a lot into like Cornish mythology and um, Cornish history as well, and like they had their own language. Um, they're very separate from like the rest of like England and the UK. I think they should all be their own independent countries. I think that would be great. It was a thing. Um... Oh, what was it called? I saw it on Facebook, so it like fully might not be a thing at all. But it was like the a like theoretical split called the Celtic Union that includes like the north of England, um, so like Manchester up, round Cornwall, Wales, Scotland, and then just leave like the south of England. You be your own country, like we're the Celtic <laughs> now. I was like, that's sick. That's <laughs> I think it's great that Cornwall and like Yorkshire have their own recessionist movement. I absolutely yeah. adore that. I am just in love with Cornwall. Like genuinely, I want to move there. That's in my like five-year plan. But the only thing is, like, I'm really close to my family, so I don't want to move away from them because Cornwall is so far away. But yeah. it's so nice, literally. Like, I went last twice last summer, and I've also watched a lot of Poldark, so I'm obsessed with the, <laughs> the dramatic period drama landscape that they have down there. But oh, it's just so beautiful. Like, as soon as you go across the border, it's like you're in, like, another world. Like, you can totally understand why they have so much, like, folklore and mythology. I mean, same for Wales. Like, the landscapes are absolutely insane like nothing compared to English countryside and stuff like Welsh and Cornish landscapes are just mind-blowing it's like there's a lot of levels there's a lot of foresty stuff I think a lot of it comes from the sort of ability to look at a forest and be like there could be something in here like yeah <laughs> like a, like a the forest that's in the shape of a cross that's in on the North Wales coast oh no. no but that sounds really cool <laughs> Yeah, it's um, as you drive towards Conwy um, and that area of Wales, there's, as you look over the hills on the motorway, there's this forest and it's just in the shape of a cross. Oh like my God, a, Like an old crucifix that. sort of thing. It's oh my so God, bizarre. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. <laughs> I think a lot of mythology is actually like based around like the landscapes of places like like Cornwall's really famous for all of like their giant stories like apparently the original tale of like Jack and the Beanstalk was actually a Cornish folk tale um, and it's a lot to do with like uh, the mountains and like the sea cliffs and everything and how like they sort of based the giants and all of that off those but and like you know explanations for like sort of natural disasters or bad harvests and stuff like that's sort of all what tied into mythology because it's like looking for explanations for sort of like hardship or crazy things going on in the world like I wish we were more like that now <laughs> yeah I think it's so interesting it's like I don't know it's just it's fun it makes everything so much more fun <laughs> yeah. instead of being like oh why is like why are my crops bad this year if someone's like oh it's the rain like it's too much rain no it's it's the giants like that's yeah. so much more fun <laughs> <laughs> but like I do still like there is still like a little bit of me that sort of like believes in like you know fairies and magical things like genuinely like I just just I think it's just to do a lot with nature as well though like the magic of nature and how crazy it is that those things like things that we see in the everyday even exist like oh I just love it I love being transported somewhere through stories yeah it's really cool oh I love I love like creepy forests there's um have you heard about this forest in 
I can't remember it's I think it's in Japan but it's not the suicide forest but we're not going to talk about that because it's too depressing but there's this other forest which has like this devil's circle in it supposedly and it's like this clearing in the middle of this really thick forest um completely barren and like a perfect circle and loads of people go camping there because supposedly it's meant to be like connected to the devil and stuff but and there's all these stories of people who go camping there who like they'll set up their tent in the middle of the circle and they'll wake up the next morning like in a completely different place in the middle of the forest oh that's so cool oh i love that i love that (laughs) yeah i would i like the idea of it but i would be fucking terrified (laughs) same same (laughs) i like to think that's the local tourist board like dragging them while they're sleeping (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's um what's that film is it I, oh I think it's in The Parent Trap you know when um, when they put her in the sea yeah they put her in the lake like they drag her out on her little blow up bed and just like push her out into the lake and I just remember watching that and thinking what a genius prank to play on someone absolutely messing up <laughs> on that should we go into our outro yes let's Okay, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Robin. It was so lovely to speak with you. Um, and do you want to promote yourself a little bit? Like, where can people find you? Where are you most present online? All 9,000 of your profiles. Yeah, we'll go through my millions of Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, so my photography Instagram is the happy snappy. Um, that's where all of the drag burlesque BLM politics stuff that's where all that happens um my illustration account is big old bug um <laughs> that's frogs frogs and stuff um, and then i run a crochet instagram as well um which i try and stay a little bit more professional on um that one's called bugs bits and bats which is fun. <laughs> I'm not having serious names. <laughs> no, I mean, serious names are boring anyway. So, um, yeah, thank you. Ah, oh crap, I dropped something. Sorry, just cut that bit out. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm leaving. That's funny. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if we have any last-minute announcements. If you want to follow us, where you can find us at the women's underscore workshop. Uh, also, if anyone wants to come on a podcast, we're open for interviewees. If you want to come and chat with us, as you might have heard, it's very informal. Swearing, folklore, we've talked about porn, video games, various other topics in the past, so please come on and just chat shit with us. Um, and lastly, we have an ongoing competition at the moment, which we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast if you want to enter all the info is on our page um last couple of things you found our podcast somehow because you're listening to it um you're listening on spotify like follow us download it do all that stuff share it with your friends make sure they listen to us because we we want to share all the wonderful artists we interview with as many people as we can and if you're watching on youtube like comment dislike any engagements good engagement um, (laughs) and and just go and check every artist that we interview out so thank you so much for listening and uh, yeah hopefully you'll listen in next week bye bye bye